This podcast contains adult language. If you'd like a beeped version, it doesn't exist. Sorry. Hello, survivalists. Welcome to our season finale. Can you believe it? Season three. I know. With me, your host for this episode, Kaylee Cassidy. I will be joined, as always, by the delightful Molly Merwin. Say hello, Molly. Hello. Honestly, when I heard the D, I was like, is she going to say Duchess Molly Merwin? I have no idea why I thought that, but I was like, is she about to call me a Duchess? Don't ask me. That's what I thought. That's what threw my head. Just putting it out there. Okay, everyone. Welcome to the show, the Duchess Molly Merwin. (laughs) Hello. Hello. Hello, peasants. Hello. Peasants? Who are you, young lady? (laughs) And today, on this episode, we are also joined by the amazing Duke Donny Nicholson. (laughs) Hello there. Hello. There he is. Now, I met Donny when I was living in Barcelona, where we did stand-up comedy and improv together, as well as open mic gigs and all night long beach drinking. All night long. Because that's what Barcelona is all about. Jonathan Richmond songs and... Oh my God, stop it. (laughs) Stop it with the... (laughs) The Jonathan Richmond song thing made me actually, before... This, I was like, I wonder if Donnie's going to mention when I heckled you during your you singing Jonathan Richmond. Accusing me of pretending that it was my own song. Yeah. <laughs> Does that make sense to you, Molly? Do we need to explain no, this scenario? I think, yes, I think, yes, everyone needs an explanation. There was a, there was a, a lot of conflict in our friendship, I think. <laughs> Mostly. Uh... <laughs> oh, I'm gathering that. We heard, uh, so, audience, before we started recording, I learned that Kaylee basically stalk Donnie oh my for a time while she quote unquote pranked him <laughs> and then Donnie was like this isn't funny you need to stop and then somehow she you know like worn him down and now they're friends but uh yeah there's a lot of angst in this yeah I feel like when I was thinking about a guest to come on this show it was Donnie because you're like the funniest person I know sorry Molly and um <laughs> uh yeah thanks Kaylee but now when we're coming to it I'm like oh my god there is a complex friendship, but I think it's more positive than negative. Crackling with you know? tension. <laughs> Crackling with there was tension. a lovely, a lovely little bar in the Gothic Quarter that was full of guitars. It had hundreds of guitars hanging on the walls. And uh, one evening, I was in there playing, <laughs> playing a Jonathan Richmond song to the amusement of all the other customers. And in in walks Kaylee Cassidy and starts shouting, "That's Jonathan Richmond!" <laughs> That's not your song. <laughs> you know, assuming that I was, you know, trying to trying to claim that it was my own song. <laughs> it's because Donnie said, this is my own song. <laughs> now we find out, Donnie. Now we and it find was out. the song I was dancing in the lesbian I bar, which I think is a great bar, song. Yeah. And I think, Donnie, you do an excellent version. So and, I have a um, question. Kaylee, were you, were, did you and Donnie know each other already? Or was this the first time you met? I think we yeah, already we knew, knew each other. other. Yeah. <laughs> 
What if that was your meat this cue? This is post, yeah. post stalking. <laughs> we, this, is, this is post stalking. I think this is when you know you get to that point in your friendship where you're like, right, you can say whatever you want yeah. now. This is it now. You're getting it all. We're well beyond that now. You've broken that seal. <laughs> Now I'm back in and I'm like, I need to work out. Can I prank you still, Donny? I don't know. This is all a prank. I'm a little bit upset. I haven't been pranked for a while, so. Well, I guess this is the time we should tell him, Kaylee. This actually isn't a podcast. This is. Gosh, fun times. Well, yeah, so today we are surviving shame. It's a shame that it is the season finale, but it is what it is. And I mean, listen, I got a lot of shame for my actions, <laughs> apparently. Yeah. Stalking yeah. and pranking and heckling. That was me. Yeah, I think what better person to join us on this topic than Donnie Nicholson, who is a guest out psychotherapist living in Barcelona, working mainly with the expat community. He is currently doing an MA looking at the therapeutic benefits of psychedelics. Hmm, I got some questions Ooh. about that later. Yes. Donnie is originally from a wee town in the Scottish Highlands, Fort William, I think that's what you said to us, Donnie, and has a side project playing the bagpipes for Spanish kids. He also wow. runs an English language therapy group called Lifehouse Barcelona. So Donnie Nicholson, what don't you do? It's all I know. It's all Leo. Well, I had to condense it just for that little bio. Oh my God, <laughs> I had to condense it, he says. I had to put it smaller for your small podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I have a question, Donnie, when I, when I read your bio and I'm going to, I don't have it in front of me now. I had to Google, am I saying Gasalt? Mm. Am I saying mm -hmm. that correct? Can you, well, I had never heard of that before until I Googled it. Can you condense what that is? <laughs> Gestalt is, it's a type of therapy really. Um, it was developed in the 1940s. It's um, quite, you know, reasonably common around the world and what differentiates us from other types of therapy is we tend to focus more on the interaction between the therapist and client rather than going mm. deep into the past or going into the stories about what what's happening in a person's life outside of therapy. We, we focus a lot on the here and now. We do a lot of body work. We see each person as a world in their own. And mm. it's, it's a very uh, effective way towards a healthy and happy life yeah there you go there's there's a plug for that <laughs> gasalt fair yeah. therapy and please correct me if i'm saying it wrong amazing i was just i was like well, i've never heard i'm sure it is common i had just never heard the term so i had to google it i'm like maybe maybe it's very common i and i just wasn't aware anyway. it's quite intense isn't it donnie like you have to go through the therapy yourself like when you're learning yeah i mean you? if if you i think if you asked practitioners of other types of therapy what how would they mm. describe your style? They might describe it as um, provocative, confrontational, challenging. You know, mm. It tends to be contrasted to some other types of therapy where the therapist might be very kind and understanding and re re supportive. <laughs> Gestalt can be quite uh, confrontational. We have this idea that support everything that's authentic and challenge everything that's not authentic. So there can be a little bit of mm. pushing and shoving involved. Ooh. But it's not it's not not for any um sadistic reasons it's because that's that's yeah. a way to get towards where the pain is it's a little bit like the metaphor of going to the doctor and she squeezes your arm to try and find where it's painful you know it's a little bit like 
it. Yeah, mm. it's it makes you like force your shit, like own up to your shit, right? Kind yeah, of but, is that is that what yeah. I'm hearing? I could have just yeah. said that. It reminds me of <laughs> yeah, it reminds me of you know Philip Gullier's clown school, and he well, I think he's like the other end of that way. It's like get out and don't come back to class because that was shit, <laughs> you know, like. <laughs> trying to get people to find their inner clown and like loads of people drop out because they're like this is just too much I'm not saying that yours is like that but it's kind of like you said it was confrontational and I'm just imagining a scenario where you come to your therapist you know I'm just feeling like really down today like about my childhood and no you're not there's more to it here and now how do you feel about me I can't oops can I say that on <laughs> it's our podcast girl we have a disclaimer in the I beginning that word but ever. I think that, that I would be an example of if somebody said I'm feeling really down today when someone says it to me you know I decide whether that was authentic or not for example if somebody says yeah. oh I, I just feel I just feel really down and they've got a big smile on their face there's something not right about that so I would say I don't yeah. believe you know what what are you actually feeling okay maybe you are feeling down but um, why are you expressing that that, that smile you yeah. know and it's because I feel embarrassed okay you know, what, what do you do when you feel embarrassed it's about trying to find coherence congruence between what's happening emotionally on the inside and what the person is displaying to the outside world. And sometimes confrontation can be a, a good way of getting, getting that across. Obviously, if you confront mm. someone too much, they're just going to walk away. So you don't, you know, it's a balancing right. act between yeah. the two ends yeah. of the spectrum. It feels like it's more like, it's more like a challenging. Like I have a therapist who's very much like that. Like she wants me to be authentic and like she's like is it though like if I say something she's like do you though and I'm like huh and I'm and, <laughs> and it's challenging and in the moment I hate her afterwards I love her I'm like this is great like it's building me and it's really getting me to like look at how I'm really feeling because for a long mm. time like you can mask up how you're feeling because you yeah pleasing and want to you know be whatever you are but actually how are you feeling and when you uncover that like the onion I'm peeling all the layers and you just want to cry all the time <laughs> it didn't even make sense to myself so sorry no, everyone for listening sense. to that <laughs> I'm with you I'm with you you're peeling back the layers which made you cry a little bit yeah yeah, yeah. like an onion so because shame is a painful feeling and it arises when one feels like they're being judged or have done something wrong a person feeling shame is typically like evaluating themselves in a negative way. Shame is pretty toxic and can take up a lot of space in someone's head. I know what you're thinking. This is a comedy podcast, guys. Uh, shame is not very funny. Hey, listen, it doesn't always have to be funny, you know, truth and learning and all that. Truth and comedy. Yeah, truth and comedy. I wanted to ask you both about stepping on your top tips, which we will get to in a little while. What are your experiences of shame and like what effect has it had on the way you live? Like, do you see a positive side to shame? I'll let Donnie go first since he's our guest, unless he wants me to go first. I know, I'll, I'll shoot away. Do I see a positive side to shame? No, I don't. I think that your um, introduction there was, was really interesting. I think you said something about it's shame is a really negative reaction to something we've done. And I think I would challenge that a little bit because it's really useful to distinguish between shame and guilt. So guilt being mm. a feeling related to something you've done. I'm, you know, I feel bad about something that I mm. did, whereas shame is I feel bad about who I am. Shame's not really attached yeah. to actions. Okay. Highly, highly unpleasant, pervasive feeling mm. that you don't deserve to be loved or you don't deserve to belong. And mm. it is massive. It's massive in society. And I you know I see I see clients 
here in Barcelona and I see clients back in the UK online. And it's quite rare to find someone who isn't suffering a little bit from shame. And the good news about it is that it's relatively easy to deal with compared to other issues that people might bring to therapy. This is like a therapy. <laughs> yeah. Well, I was, I was, I agree with Donnie. Like I, I think it's negative and it was really interesting trying to come up with my tip for this. I did, I did some research, like the difference between guilt and shame. Cause when we were originally talking about this episode, we were like, mm. should we do guilt? Should we do shame? And we landed on shame, but yeah, I mean, Donnie's a professional, so he said it right. <laughs> that like, like the difference between guilt and shame is like, shame is more like a, like a sense of self exactly, and it just cuts deeper yeah. than mm. guilt. So I would, I would say that like, if, if you had asked me to before today, if I felt a lot of shame in my life, I would have been like, no, have I done things that I am like super embarrassed about? Hell yes. <laughs> and feel guilty about? Mm, absolutely. But I would never have said, oh, I've, I'm, I feel ashamed of that. But then when I read the thing, I'm like, ooh, I think I have had some shame mm -hmm. a lot in my life oh my and, and didn't realize it. Mm some, I don't know, I guess self-hatreds, but thinking like, oh, I'm not good enough mm -hmm. or something I've dealt with in therapy is I'm very self-critical. So I, it, it was interesting because I wouldn't have described it as shame, but now that like I've researched this, I'm like, oh shit. Yeah. It, it's like, I've definitely felt some shame, mm -hmm. but I'm going to help everybody survive it as we all are. Well, like we always say to the listeners, we are wildly unprofessional, which is yes. why we're inviting professionals. <laughs> exactly. That's why we have Donnie here. That's why we got Donnie. So yeah, so let's kick off. We'll start with you, Donnie, with your first top tip. If you can help our listeners how to survive shame, what's your first top tip? Okay, well, in a nutshell, my top tip would be to look at your inner dialogue. Okay, so the inner dialogue is a little voice mm. inside your head. Uh, everybody has, uh, which provides a, a running commentary to, to what things happen. It's known as an inner dialogue. I sometimes wonder if it shouldn't better be called an inner monologue, but that might be just me. Um, so it's a little voice in your head that comments on things. And it's quite common for people to say things like, you're so stupid. That was a really stupid thing to do. Kind of a critical inner voice. And quite often it's so pervasive, it's so much part of hardwired into who we are that we don't even realize that we do it. So the first thing is awareness. First step is always awareness. Become aware of your inner voice, yeah. recognize your inner voice, realize that you're doing it. Second thing to do, the second step is always accept it. So accept the fact that you have a critical inner voice. You've got a little voice inside your head that says, I'm not good enough. I don't deserve this. I don't belong shouldn't be loved i'm not you know all different things that you might say accept that that's happening and the third thing is try different techniques to improve your inner voice your inner dialogue and typical techniques are things like just try being nice to yourself it sounds so mm. simple but it can be actually a really revolutionary thing just try saying nice reassuring positive reinforcement things to yourself like you're doing a good job you did well there go easy on yourself you know, say kind, kind things mm. to yourself. And specifically, a little technique that I actually used with, with a client of mine who was uh, recently talking about her highly critical inner dialogue. And I asked her, let's say her name was Caroline. I asked her to talk to herself or talk about herself in the third person, right? So mm. instead of saying, 
you were good at that. You can say Caroline was good at that. Caroline did a good job there. And that's sort of, it almost externalizes yourself so you can start to build up some positive self-regard. So that's a little trick. Yeah. Talk about yourself in a positive way in the third person. Top tip for the day. I like that because I, I am terrible when I apply for jobs or I'm having to do like a bio for myself for like a show or something. I'm like, if I, if someone else said the things to me that I say to myself, exactly. I would never talk to exactly. them again. Right. And conversely, you would never talk to someone else the way that you talk to yourself. No, never, mm. ever, ever, ever. And, uh, you know, this is something like I I'm deal, you know, it's like a deal, like I'm dealing with it. it. It's actually been a kind of a good thing that come out of the past year and a half. But I, I noticed when I, like one time I went to my website and I was, and I had, you know, I talk about myself in the third person on the website because Molly does this and Molly okay. does this. And I'm reading this. I'm like, damn, like, this is really good. I'm like, wow, I'm really talented. Oh, wow. I've done a lot of shit. But then when I have to like sit down and like do a cover letter, cause you know, cover letters are basically like, you have to like brag fest, you know, I'm like, I, I don't know. I don't know where to start. Like I haven't really done anything, but hmm. when you kind of take step back and come outside yourself, I'm all right. I, I, I know what mm -hmm. I'm doing. I got this. Yeah, I, so I, I like agree that. with you. I think this is such an amazing tip because there's a fine line between like, it's like confidence and arrogance. And if you think that confidence is arrogance, how are you ever going to yeah. be able to talk to yourself kindly? Yeah. And mm -hmm. writing a CV, I found excruciatingly difficult because I'm like, not good at anything. Like, yeah. even like, you know, when I moved to London from Barcelona, I didn't realize I was so depressed at the time. It was so different. And you just get stuck in like being like, well, I'm crap at everything. Like, I can't do this. I can't do that. And, and it just escalated and into, so you become so far away from yourself because you're, you don't even know that person. And then this week I went back to Torquay and I was in the attic looking for my GCSE certificates, which is for a new job I have in September. They need a GCSE <laughs> certificates. But in this searching, I found so many letters from ex-partners, from friends, from like primary school, secondary school, sixth form. And they were all like really lovely letters, like Kaylee, you're lovely. Like we Aww. miss you. Like enjoy Thailand when I was going, or you're going to Barcelona, enjoying Barcelona. And I was reading this and I was like, go, I remember. And it's so funny. It made me think of your tip Donnie, because I remember going, oh my God, I am a nice person. Oh, I am good. Like, I am okay. Yeah. I am an okay yeah, person. Yeah, you are. But like the self-critical dialogue can bring you yes. so far away from that. Everyone needs to get in their attics and read the letters. <laughs> <laughs> ooh, ooh, I love that metaphor. Physically, <laughs> metaphorically. I love it, Kaylee. Yeah. Oh, thank you, Donnie. That was really, really nice. I'm sure the listeners will find that really helpful. So like yeah. sort of by looking at your inner dialogue, we can become aware inevitably accept ourselves and avoid suffering the sh unnecessariness of shame. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and totally related to what Molly said as well, like that you wouldn't accept another person talking to you like that. It's quite, yeah. it's quite nice to, if, if anyone's ever been a parent to think about how they would treat their children and imagine, you know, imagine treating your children the way that you're talking to your children, the way that you talk to yourself, you know, you probably just yeah. wouldn't do that. So, um, well, I think that's why I've got a lot of shame because, well, my dad <laughs> wasn't a very nurturing person. <laughs> so I thought, that's how you speak to people. You call them a wee shite, fuck off. <laughs> that's called toxic shame, Kaylee. Yeah. Toxic shame. Molly, yes. your you, what you yes. said 
What you said to Donnie also reminded me of an Idols lyric. Idols are a band from Bristol and they've got a lyric which says, if you, if someone talk to you, like you talk to you, I punch their teeth through. They're a really good band and I know Ooh. them because like, I used to work with them when I lived in Bristol. But that lyric is so good because it's like sort of saying this self-dialogue, yes. which is so toxic and yes. Yes, no more. They've got great beards as well, that band. They do. They do. <laughs> they have a great music video where they're just smashing up ornaments. And I was like, I really, really want to do that. Like just throw throw loads of like charity shop plates and stuff around you know there's this place in berlin that you can you i forgot what it's called but you literally that's literally what you do you go there and you just smash things i think it's called i don't know if it's called an anger room but for my my or something like that it may be called smash room but for my friends for my friend russell's 50th birthday they went to berlin and i didn't go because it's like a bunch of dudes and i'm like i'm tired of being the only girl i just want to stay home and do my own thing but after they went i was like oh i would have liked the smash room because they had like plates and old tvs and just all this stuff and they're just like taking sledgehammers and baseball bats and all i'm like that sounds amazing i would love to do that (laughs) you know smash makes me think of mashed potato and i think the british equivalent of the smash room would be do you remember bodger and badger donnie oh, bodger and badger everybody knows Just badger throwing likes mashed mashed potatoes. Potatoes. <laughs> <laughs> that used to freak me out actually because bodger and badger there was a line in the song that said bodger and badger are never far away oh yeah bodger and badger are never far away which i found a bit creepy when i was a <laughs> kid <laughs> that oh. is super creepy that is really creepy it's like i never i never really i just was obsessed with the mashed potato <laughs> but yeah i guess I guess that is a really creepy thing to say to children who are watching it. Bodger and Badger are never far away. (laughs) Hi. Okay, moving on after that little interlude, mashed potato interlude. Let's hear Molly's tip for how to survive shame. Amazing. So we kind of already, so I was kind of, kind of talk about the difference between guilt and shame. We kind of already talked about that. That's good. Cause I think it's important to understand like the difference between guilt and shame. Mm -hmm. These are so, so close. Did you know that there are, let's see, one, two, three, four, five. Donnie probably did because he's, you know, profesh. But there are five subcategories of shame. Did you guys know that? Do you want to do you want to take a guess at some of the subcategories of shame? Um, the category is shame. <laughs> subcategories <laughs> are <drag> race. <laughs> the subcategories are. Anybody want to take a guess? One of them? I mean, there's there's things like toxic um, shame, authentic shame. Um, ooh, it's, it's I don't been, have that one. Oh, yes, I do. I do. It's been, uh, as if it's Donnie's going to win. It's like um, uh, secret, Catholic secret shame. shame. Catholic, ooh, let's add let's add Catholic shame. Catholic, Catholic shame is definitely there, but not on my list. So we'll make that the sixth shame. It's like the seven shames of the world. There's there's <laughs> one that's like feeling shame for uh for another pair like. like vicarious shame i think they call it yes yes yeah no i don't know any of this yes so okay so there's genuine shame which donnie i would say is authentic same thing Mm -hmm. false so that's um so genuine shame is associated with genuine dishonor disgrace or condemnation false shame now this one was a little weird to me and so i may okay so is associated with false condemnation as in the form of false shaming he brought what we did to him upon himself i'll let everyone else digest that one because i don't quite understand he that brought one. what we did to him upon himself 
Does yes. that mean like the way he what, thought what he, like, he was like, asking for it? Yeah, like he was asking, he was asking yeah. for it. Okay, okay, oh, that makes he was more. asking mm. for it is is that's bringing me back to childhood slurs. Yeah, that's some false shame right there. Secret shame describes the idea of being ashamed to be ashamed, so causing mm. ashamed people to keep their shame a secret. Whoa, yeah, toxic shame. Which is what is mostly associated, not mostly, but it corrects me if I'm wrong, Donnie, but a lot of that's like with parents, like how parents talk to their kids and that creates toxic and it's like almost, it's trauma. Yeah, I think it, it's it's trauma. It, it comes from the trauma. So like often, for example, survivors of child sexual abuse, quite, it might be quite shocking, but often the most damaging thing isn't actually the sexual abuse itself. It's the shame that the person feels afterwards about it. Yeah. can be even Aww. more debilitating in the first than what triggered it. Mm. So that's toxic shame. And then vicarious shame refers to the experience of shame on behalf of another person. And then there's Catholic shame, as we've talked about, <laughs> which, you know, thanks, Pope, for that one. Okay, so those are the six subcategories of shame. So I thought the way you need survive shame is listen to Brene Brown, mm. and that mm. is find your people. So Brene Brown says there's three ways for shame to grow secrecy, silence, and judgment. However, if you find people you can confide in, they can help you with your shame. Shame cannot thrive in an environment of empathy. So like empathy is going to kill shame. So be careful of who you choose as your people. But if you can find people that are supportive and empathetic, they can help you with your shame. These could be people that have earned your trust and you know will comfort you or will help you move past your shame in some way. I also kept thinking about, I don't know why when I was thinking about this, I thought about like people in the closet, like people that are, are ashamed to be gay. And so if they found, like hopefully if they could find somebody they could confide in, that could help them hopefully eventually come out of the closet, but not be ashamed of being gay. I don't know why mm. that like kept coming into my like secret shame, I, mm. I feel like is like people in the closet. So apparently shame is also connected to narcissism. If you're a narcissist, like somehow like, oh, I forgot. I didn't quite understand it. That's why I didn't include it. And now I probably shouldn't have brought it up, but uh -oh. Um, uh oh, I know. But apparently like narcissism is a way of like, you kind of overcompensate yeah. for not feeling shame. I think, yeah, I think you're right. It's a little bit how people people with low self-esteem sometimes come across as arrogant. Like they're compensating from it. Yes. <clears throat> president, mm -hmm. former President Trump. <laughs> He's not yeah. got low self-esteem, has he? No, That's yeah. what I'm saying. Oh. I think no, this is what I think has happened with Trump. I think he had like he has big daddy issues. And so he's trying to overcompensate for never being good enough for his father. And that's how he became, well, him. Oh my gosh. When you said big daddy issues, I thought you meant like big daddy issues. Like, <laughs> not like big daddy issues. It was like, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> like he has daddy issues. So basically he has massive daddy issues, but it's yes. not like big daddy issues. I was like, what's that? Is that another thing that I need to learn about? <laughs> That's um, a subcategory of the subcategory of uh, vicarious shame. Yeah, yeah. And it's also related to Catholic shame. Anyway, so in conclusion, to survive shame, find your mm. people. Because shame cannot exist in, a, in an environment of empathy. So find people that'll be empathetic for you and help, you know, listen to you, help you move on. Whether that's like you need to deal with some shit or you just need to forgive yourself. Mm. So find your people. 
Okay, Molly. Awesome. Great. Great. Listen to Bidet Brown. Bidet yeah, Brown, yep. Really good stuff. Bonet. Yep. She has a podcast, not to plug another podcast on this podcast, but she does have a podcast. So there it's you okay. go. You can look her up. If she's great, we want people to listen to her, you know? Yes. Yep. Yeah. Find your find your people. Another another like sort of tangent of that is I was said when I moved to London, someone said, You just need to find your tribe. Mm. Yes. And I quite like yeah. that. That's what I, that's exactly what I said. I, I used to have a blog and after a year of living here, that was like one of my tips or one of the things I had learned, like you got to find your tribe. What was it your blog called? It was called View From Here. Aww. I might start it up again. Yeah. Because it was just kind of like, you know, it's my view from here, from wherever I am. So yeah. Anyway, look out for that. Listen. No, I will not be looking out for that. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So... So that was Molly. We've done Donnie. Now it's time for my top tip. Let's see. Let's see what's going to happen. So, you know, when you come back from the toilet and sometimes there's a big bit of tissue trailing behind you stuck to your shoe. (laughs) Yes. And it's like mortifying, even though it's just a bit of tissue. Can I say I've actually had it sticking out of my trousers before? (laughs) Yeah. Because I, I always put toilet paper down on the toilet seat when I go use the bathroom. And one time I had like pulled up my trousers and this was like, I will never forget this. Cause this was in like, I think seventh grade. And I was like every 13 year old, I was super insecure. And I always thought people were talking about me, but I, I finally was, it was like, you know what, Molly, people aren't talking about you. Like get over yourself, like blah, blah, blah. And then I was at the bowling alley with my best friend. I come out of the bathroom. I see these people looking at me and they're talking and they're kind of laughing. I'm like, they're not talking about me. You know, like Molly, you just need, you need to like, you need to get over this. Right. And then sure enough, one woman comes up. She's like, you have some toilet paper in your trousers. I was like, oh my God, they were talking about me. <laughs> so yeah. Anyway, sorry. That's a tangent. Go no ahead, worries. Kimberly. Thank you for showing us your humility. It's going to be necessary for my top tip. <laughs> okay, um, yeah, that that bit of tissue that trails around behind on your shoe or out of your pants or whatever, it is embarrassing for some reason, even though like it's not got any poo on it. It's just like this plain <laughs> bit of tissue. It's not been used, but it's just like there. And I feel like that is what shame is for me. Always trailing mm. around behind me, following me wherever I go. My tip comes in two parts because I was thinking a lot about humility when I was thinking of shame. And I think that humility is the more positive twin to shame. And at uni, when I was studying creative writing, my tutor said that a writer must have humility when they're writing. Now, the person I think of when I think of someone who writes with humility and is incredible is Michaela Cole, who wrote Mm. I May Destroy You, which if anyone hasn't watched it, you must. It's absolutely brilliant. The television series is fantastic. I think that shame absorbs you and puts up a lot of barriers to prevent you from your essence. And that's why I found at university finding my voice as a writer quite tricky because I couldn't get past my shame, which I didn't even really know was shame. So thinking about the tissue metaphor, let the tissue transform into humility. So move with humility, not shame. And so that's the first part of my tip. And the second part of my tip is to read Catherine Angel's book, Tomorrow Sex Will Be Good Again. So I can't think about shame without thinking about vulnerability, sexuality and desire. The book Mm. is an excellent dive into the complexities of consent culture and builds a brilliant argument about the difficulties of desire when you are a woman. 
I can't possibly give it the description that it deserves, mainly because Catherine Angel is a marvellous writer and a voice of our generation who cites lots of incredible sources in her argument. And she mentions lots of activists too, who it's just really educational and informative. She was my tutor at uni. Oh, and wow. Yeah, I, I, at uni, I just loved her. I loved ev- like you just like eat up everything she says, the books, the reading list she was offering us, everything amazing is she what is she but is she like a creative writer is she a psychologist like what's her background so she doesn't do not she doesn't do fiction she does non-fiction mm-hmm. uh, her book she wrote a book called a book about something most difficult to tell and it's about desire mm-hmm. and yeah she talks about writing that book and how as a woman like for example if you write a book like that if you were ever brought into court for like somebody had raped you, they would mm-hmm. use that book against you and say, but you were asking for it because you wrote a book about desire. Wow. And so it's just so interesting. Like the book is, yeah, it talks, a, they, they talk a lot about shame. She talks a lot about shame in it. She, it's a massive C and I cannot even begin to mention it, but that's why I say my top tip is to read it because no matter what your gender is, it's just really, really mm. informative and transformative because I felt a lot, I understood myself a lot more and after reading it and it was really, really thoughtful. Say the name again, Kaylee. So she's called Catherine Angels and the book is called Tomorrow Sex Will Be Good Again. It's not very long either. Every book, because her other book that I love is called Daddy Issues, not Big Daddy <laughs> Issues. That would be my book. <laughs> and it's they're very small books, so it's, it's mm-hmm. accessible. You don't have to be an academic to read her book. Yeah. I, I have dyslexia and I find academic stuff difficult, but she... She gives it to you and it's not like bite-sized GCSE or news round for kids. It's just like really amazingly packaged and delivered information. So there's a quote in it, which I thought I'd share with you. And it says, parts of the joys of sex might precisely be in discovering new different ways to be touched in being vulnerable to the unknown. And being vulnerable into the unknown, I thought was a really nice phrase. Mm, And it encapsulates a lot of the stuff she's exploring in the book. So yeah, so just before I finish my tip, I just wanted to mention like masturbation and like the shame I had when I first masturbated. And I'll never forget it. Because afterwards, like a couple of weeks later, I was walking down, I'm from Torquay. So I was walking down Torquay Centre. And I remember looking at everyone and going, bet they're not they don't do what I did. Like, I'm so disgusting. Like, I obviously didn't find my tribe or my people to Mm -hmm. speak out about it. Yeah. Mainly because of all the Catholic shame and guilt. And also because of the shit educational sex educational system. Like there wasn't an open-minded sex education when I was at school or younger. So of course I'm going to have this like sort of self-hatred towards my sexuality Mm. and desires. So yeah. Also, Kaylee, do you think, I think that's also kind of with women too. Like men, we talk about men wanking off all the time. You know, guys will fucking do it in public sometimes. Yeah, but that's but not with, okay, you know? I mean, that's, that's not okay. That's not okay. No, that's not okay. <laughs> that is not supportive masturbation. <laughs> but yeah, but I think especially with women, it's like, oh no, women don't masturbate. They shouldn't masturbate. I think it goes back to like, I don't know, we could go into like a whole deep thing like of why that is in a history. Yeah. But I, I think that's that's also a, a big thing is that women aren't encouraged to masturbate and find pleasure. Yeah, no, definitely. And and it talks about that in the book a little bit as well, about the sort of judgment on women's being open about their sexuality and exploring mm-hmm. the art of self-love. Because yeah, that's I what think, it is. I think shame around masturbation can be pretty catastrophic for for boys as well. Not 
I'm not sure. Yeah, mm. obviously it can be really bad for both. I, I don't know what the what the comparison is, but I think it's it's really good to talk about it. You know, to share things. Mm. I'm just going back to Molly's point earlier about secrecy. Like you know, in your story, Kaylee, when you're walking down Turkey High Street, the the crushing thing about that was that it was secrecy. You know, if everybody could be a little bit more open, a little bit more humble, and a, a bit more uh, compassionate about their stories, then everybody would realize that actually mm. everybody thinks they're a weirdo, secret weirdo. Mm. Yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah. But actually, everyone is a little bit different, but that's fine. It's yeah, just different colors, different shades. yeah I think when you talk about like when you were saying at the beginning about like masturbation like for women and men I think I don't know because I'm not a man but like it must be quite embarrassing because it's quite visual as well when you're like that's true and and also Mm. quite messy because for women it's not you know so you can be a bit more secret when you're a woman that's true yeah I don't know I think it's definitely changing now I mean that there are it's there are more positive attitudes towards masturbation and and you know self-sexual pleasure now than there were I think when certainly when I was growing up I think place is mm. important as well you know people who grow up in cities tend to have more access to you know positive reinforcement for those kind of things and folk who grow up in sort of isolated rural communities but that's a yeah. massive thing and it's a thing which can cripple a person for their entire life you know, you see, you see a lot of old people mm-hmm. walking around, you know, and they've, you know, they've got physical problems, they've got psychological problems, and a lot of it comes back to shame about their sex life or their sexual desires. Because typical mm-hmm. shame idea, my my sexual my secret sexual desires don't fit in nicely with society's perceived expectations of what I should be, and that is mm. devastating for a person especially if they don't mm. have someone to talk to about it. Mm-hmm. Mm. Mm. So I guess just to conclude <laughs> my tip, <laughs> I love those segues. I think you guys should always be around when I am writing tips for things. Have you still got that bit of <laughs> tissue paper hanging out at the back of your arse, Kimmy? <laughs> yeah, of course I have, Donny. It'll never leave me, look. <laughs> that's such a quote of the season isn't it have you still got that tissue paper hanging out of your ass Kaylee? <laughs> but yeah um move with humility not shame because while shame will hold us back and keep us in our cocoons i think humility can open us up and let us be the beautiful butterflies Wonderful. that we are there we go love it i love Wonderful. it i don't have anything to add yeah. i just love it yeah, I, I love I love Thanks. the um, the metaphor of the of the tissue because it's a little bit like you know it's it's a, it's an unintegrated part of yourself you know it's like it's yeah. something that something that belongs to you that isn't quite integrated into who you are you can't and you know if you don't do something about it you'll always be dragging it around behind you, you know? yeah yeah you know? yeah part of it is <laughs> part of it's about turning around and, and learning to love the tissue paper embracing it that is it learning to love the tissue paper oh i interrupt you then say that again metaphorically (laughs) (laughs) i love that you know because i love rupaul's drag race and they're always talking about tucking but i just need to tuck my toilet tissue yeah (laughs) tuck it back in keep it in there then it's always there if anywhere (laughs) runs out i can just use it you know oh it's been such a fun episode and it's been really informative and i've just enjoyed it so so much yeah so thanks so much for joining us donnie nicholson really nice to talk to you both 
And this is the part where he gets out Sadly. his bagpipes. <laughs> yeah. Sadly, they're not at hand. <laughs> Dropping you in it there. <laughs> so we've come to the end of our podcast and it's been an absolute blast. I'm sure you'll all agree. Thank you, Donny, for joining us. And do you have anything you'd like to plug? Lifehouse Barcelona on Instagram. Check it out. There we go. Great. Short and we sweet. will. Short and yeah. sweet. Love Lovely. The way we like Life it. House. Light house. Yeah. Life house. Got it. Sorry. Which is a play on Lighthouse, right? <laughs> cracked it straight away. <laughs> <laughs> the Lifehouse family. Yeah. Because we could be lifting. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so that's it. We have survived shame and also we've survived season three. And we are, well, listen, we are so grateful to our guests who have joined us this season. Monica Gaga, Declan Perring, Joel Semikula, David Chevers, Audra Goffney. Yes, Lorna Shaw, Eddie Valdiva, Hannah Jara, Sam Irving, and of course, the gentleman who joined us today, Donnie Nicholson. It's been an amazing season. Thank you so much to everybody for your feedback as we and like hanging in with us as we change the format. It's been so much fun. We've loved it. Oh no, definitely. And also, I sorry, I completely forgot. We need to thank our emailers who keep emailing yes. us those top top emails. Oh, like forget them. Yeah. And if you have yes, if you have any top tips for anything we've discussed this entire season, please email mm. us. Yeah. Comment on our on our socials. Mm. And uh and yeah, we can maybe have a little, I don't know, a back and forth in between seasons. Absolutely. I don't know what else we're gonna do in what the next couple of months. Do? Oh, yeah, but- so basically this is the end of season three, but don't you worry, we will be back for season four in the spring twenty twenty two. What twenty twenty two that's 2022. I can't believe it. But yeah, we, we we're gonna miss you. But uh, but join us next season when we survive other things with other people. Bye. 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 Theme music by Jazar. <laughs> <laughs>